the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One day we will be reunited if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and I put my faith in Jesus Christ and one day there's a separation and there's a lostness there. Do not worry. We will be reunited one day up there in heaven. That's some of the best news that you will ever hear, my friend. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. How many of you enjoyed the worship today? Oh, it was good. You know, when you sing about the presence of God coming, and you know where two or three or more He's there, anybody could preach. Amen? I mean, it, it would be good no matter who was preaching. In our text today, Jesus is with His disciples And he's only going to be with them for just a few more hours before he dies on a cross. And they're going to all feel this loss when Jesus leaves. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 26. I want to speak to you about a sermon called The Longest Night, one of the most touching scenes in the Bible where Jesus knows he's just got a few hours left before he goes to the cross, and four things happen. Number one, he serves them communion. On the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, which was a yearly holiday, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you, Jesus, to eat what's called... The Passover. I want you to keep your place in Matthew 26 because we're coming right back to it. But I want you to turn all the way back to Exodus chapter 13. Go to Exodus chapter 13. Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt. Remember they were in bondage to Pharaoh and to the Egyptian people for I believe 400 years. And God delivered them through a man named Moses and the ten plagues, the tenth plague being where they sacrificed the lamb and put the blood on the tops of the sides of the door and the death angel passed over and spared the people to put the blood on the, on the door frames of their homes. He says, I want you to commemorate the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Today, In the month of Abib, which we believe today is the month of April, 
you are leaving when the Lord, verse 5, brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites, the land he swore to your ancestors to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. It's the land that we know today is the land of Israel. As I bring you into this land, you are to observe this ceremony in this month. And then it says in verse 6, for seven days, eat bread made without yeast. And on the seventh day, hold a festival to the Lord. Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you. Again, it's symbolic. There's not supposed to be any sin in, in Israel, not to be sin in a camp. You must keep this ordinance at the appointed time year after year. So all I want you to know is that for 1,300 years, Jewish people had been observing the Passover year after year. And today you're looking at where Jesus is doing something that Israel had been doing for 1,300 years. So go back to Matthew 26, verse 18. Disciples just asked, where do you want to make preparations for us to eat, for you to eat the Passover? Jesus replied in verse 18, go into the city to a certain man and you tell him that the teacher has said that my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. And so, verse 19, the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover as they had done for 1,300 years. And in verse 26, Jesus initiates a new memorial. He initiates a new covenant. And what is it? Look at it in verse 26. The Bible says that while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said these words, Take and eat. This is my what? This is my body. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks. And what does he say? In verse 27, he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of what? For sins. If you read Luke's gospel, Luke says that Jesus said these words, Do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus initiated this because he didn't want us to ever forget that he died on that cross and he shed his blood as an atonement for the sins of the world. So when you hold in a few moments these two symbols, I want you to be thinking about the fact that what Jesus did for you on that cross 2,000 years ago. And it's not just now, it's throughout the ages. Think about this for 2,000 years. After Jesus initiated the Lord's Supper communion, right before he goes to the cross, because he says, I don't want you to ever forget what I'm about to do. And for 2,000 years, Christians around the world have been taking the Lord's Supper. Oh, doesn't that thrill you today? Doesn't that thrill you today? And I want you, I want you today, when you hold communion in just a few moments, I want you to picture Jesus on that cross. This is why we've come to remember what he did for us. Now I want to show you one more verse and we'll move on. But look at verse 29, a very interesting verse. He says, I tell you that I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. 
See, I think when we take communion, we look backwards at what he did for us on the cross, and we're looking backwards. Lord, thank you what you did 2,000 years ago. But we also look forward, and we, we take this week after week until the day the Lord Jesus Christ returns, and one day we will take it anew with him in glory. Oh, I love that. I love that. And so don't ever forget what this day, what this communion is all about. The second thing that he does, write this down. He comforts his disciples. Because exactly what I mentioned at the start of the sermon, he knows that he's getting ready to leave. And he knows that in these disciples' hearts, because they've worked together, they've prayed together, they've cried together, they've sung together, they've preached together, they've traveled together, He knows that when he leaves, that there's going to be an emptiness in their heart. And so he wants to give them some comforting words. And I want you to go to verse 31. Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus told them these words. This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd." And the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And what he's telling them in a few hours that he's going to die. The shepherd is going to be struck. And all the sheep are going to scatter. But then he not only says he's going to die, he lets them know that he's going to rise again. And so he says in verse 32, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you, and I'm actually going to be meeting you in Galilee. Now, they don't understand this. He's just hoping, he's hoping that they will remember what he said, so later, when they're feeling that empty feeling, that they will remember, hey, Jesus said that he's going to rise again, and he said that we would meet him in Galilee, that we would be reunited, just like I'm hoping that you remember this sermon today, so that when you lose a loved one, and you feel that separation, And you're wondering, are you ever going to see Jesus? Are you ever going to have that that void filled that you, I'm hoping you remember these words so that when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, that you'll have nothing to fear. He's hoping they remember. Of course, Peter, you know, he's not, he doesn't pay attention. He's, you know, he's, he opens his mouth and puts his foot in there and he doesn't even hear, he doesn't even hear the resurrection part. He just, all he heard was that the Lord was going to die. And so he says in verse 33, Peter replied, even if everyone else does, Lord, I will never fall away. And Jesus answered in verse 34, I tell you, before this night is over, you will all fall away. You will all deny me. I want you to turn over to John chapter 14. And John records that Jesus continued And you see, he's comforting the disciples because he knows he's going to be leaving. So he says to them, hey, don't worry, I'm going to rise again. Oh, that's good news. How many of you are thankful for the resurrection? Oh, I'm glad. He said, I'm going to resurrect. And he goes, I will be with you again. Where? I'm going to actually be with you up there in Galilee. Okay, well, that's good. But then he begins to comfort the disciples. And anyone here who's ever lost a loved one, if you've ever lost a parent, you've ever lost a spouse, you've ever lost a son or a daughter, someone you love, and you feel 
that you just can't go on another day. Or if you're in a situation and you're about to lose a loved one, you're with someone right now who's got some health problems and you don't know how it's all going to turn out and you're just beside yourself sick because you know, well, what am I, I going to do without them? And you're wondering, you're wondering a couple of things. Will we ever, will we ever be together again? Will, I, will, will this void ever be filled? You have all kinds of questions. Jesus is comforting his disciples. He says in John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be what? Troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Then he says this, verse 2, he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, when I leave, when you're wondering, where am I? You're saying, where did he go? Just remember, I am going there to prepare a place for who? For you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And right now, that's what we're waiting. Right now, Jesus, where's Jesus? Jesus is in heaven preparing your heavenly home. And we're all here waiting for him to come back and get us so that one day we will be with him forever and ever and ever. He says, you all should know the place to where I'm going. And Thomas, verse 5, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we get there? He wants to know, what am I going to do? You're there, I'm here, how am I going to get there? And then I believe that Jesus answers one of the most important questions that will ever be asked, and that is, how does someone get from earth to heaven? When he says in John 14, verse 6, look at your Bibles, Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how to get there. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through what? See, he answers two of the most important questions. Will, will we one day be reunited with you? Question number one. Question number two is how will we one day be reunited with you? And he's saying to them, yes, 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 do not let your hearts be troubled. One day we will be reunited if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and I put my faith in Jesus Christ and one day there's a separation and there's a lostness there. Do not worry. We will be reunited one day up there in heaven. That's some of the best news that you will ever hear, my friend. But you say, hey, I need even more than that. I need more than that. I want you to turn over to John 14, verse 16. You see, because when someone dies, it's, it's almost contrite to say these words. Here's what we say. I say it. I say, hey, it's okay. We're all going to be together one day. And that's comforting. But what about now? I'm hurting now. My heart's broken now. I feel empty now. I'm lost now. What about now? Well, Jesus comforts his disciples. He answers that question in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, verse 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and he will be in you. And verse 18, I love the way he words it. I will not leave you as orphans. Yes, I'm leaving. But I will not leave you as an orphan. I will send my presence, the very thing you were singing about. And you say, well, who is this counselor? Go over to verse 26. 
He says, but the counselor is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name and will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've ever said to you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And then he says these words again, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be what? Oh, listen, I know one day we're all going to be in heaven, and that's very comforting. But what about right now? He says, I will give you the Holy Spirit, and he will be a counselor, he will be a comforter, and he will bring you peace right here and right now. So, in other words, you never need to be afraid, and your heart never needs to be troubled, because I'll be with you forever. And then number three, number three, he's captured. He's arrested. He serves communion. He comforts the disciples. And then he's captured. Go back to Matthew 26. Go to verse 45. They left this upper room. They go out to what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And they're praying. Disciples fall asleep. Jesus comes back in verse 45. He returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Verse 47, While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived with him. was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priest and the elders of the people. Verse 48, Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with him. The one I kiss is the one arrest him, going at once to Jesus. Verse 49, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And Jesus replied, Friend, do what you've come to do. And if you look down at verse 56, go all the way down to verse 56, the end of that, all the disciples deserted him and did what? The Bible says that they fled. And in verse 57, They took him to Caiaphas, the high priest. And as we prepare to close, I want you to look at verse 67. Go to verse 67. It says that they spit in his what? His face. And they struck him with their what? Their fist. Others slapped him. And they said, prophesy to us, Christ. Of course, we know in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, that he was beaten so bad, the Bible says that his face did not even look like the face of a human being. So he's got spit and blood. And and Isaiah 50, verse 6 says that they plucked out his beard and they're taking their fist and they're striking him again and again and again from each side. And someone yells, hey, tell us who's hitting you. If you are the Son of God, if you know so much, tell us who hits you now and who hits you now. And next week, if you're back in church, we're going to see when he goes to that cross and when he dies. It says in verse 69, go to verse 69. Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him. This is the guy who said that he would never forsake the Lord and Jesus said this very night you will forsake me before the rooster crows remember that this is the same guy the same night that night 
Peter was sitting at the courtyard, a servant girl, a 12, 13-year-old girl comes up. You're also uh, were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Verse 71. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 72. He denied it again with an oath. He swore. He said, I swear, I don't know the man. Really? Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. For your accent gives, you can't hide an accent. Now you can tell when someone talks what part of the country they're from. (laughs) Verse 74, then he began to call down curses in that accent on himself and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken before. The rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside. And the Bible says that he wept bitterly. That's point number four is the crowing rooster. That crowing rooster. So we have the Lord serving communion. He then comforts his disciples. He's arrested. He's captured. And then we hear that rooster crow. And next week when you come back, see, this is all one big story. Jesus goes to that cross. I want you to write this down. Next week, when Jesus Jesus dies on that cross, he's dying for you. He's dying for you. When you take communion today, just a few moments, when you take communion, remember, he died for you. And I think that when you take communion that the Word of God should be on your forehead and on your lips, that everywhere you go. So you don't just take communion in here today, and then you go outside, and no one even knows that you're a Christian. Lord, thank you for dying for me on that cross. And that's why I said at Passover, when you're remembering what God did everywhere you go, like a mark on your forehead and the law of God upon your lips, Every word that comes out of your mouth should measure up to the truth that you believe that Jesus Christ died and shed his blood and sacrificed his body so that you could have everlasting life. Let the whole world know what you believe. Let's stand and bow our heads for a word of prayer. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that. 
popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hello, friends. My name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right. We're adding a fourth service starting May 5th. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages, but we're going to have food trucks before the service. In the first few weeks, the food is going to be free. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend, or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays starting May 5th, at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. All information on dates, service times, and locations can be found on our website, shepherdchurch.com. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.